Hey there, we're the Westlop Pirates and welcome to the show. We're here to share our thoughts on Northwestern athletics and college sports with thoughts and analysis from the visceral to the statistical. We run our tailgate with the red pirate flag flying high above as we give no quarter, especially the fourth. I'm Sam Walter. I'm John Lacombe. And I'm Eric Scuzz-Gauspo. Uh, well guys, uh, it is time for our summer previews. Uh, love getting back to this point. Um, yeah, very, very excited to really dive into football, which, you know, is really our, all of our number one love. Uh, and, you know, Northwestern football is just, you know, kind of what brought the three of us together in the first place. So, uh, we will, as always, uh, start our summer previews with the big 10 teams Northwestern does not see this year. And, uh, that takes us to Ohio state, um, you know, a team that, uh, Northwestern will be seeing uh, in 2024 and 2025 for some reason there. We, we get them two years in a row uh, coming up. Good for us. But for now, we do not get to, we do not have to deal with Ohio State, uh, nor their legions and legions of obnoxious fans. Uh, but, you know, this is a team that, you know, they want to be top of the Big Ten. Michigan has kind of taken that from them the past couple of years, but uh Defensively, John, um, do they have what it takes to to bottle up the Wolverines this year? Well, <laughs> the numbers, anyway, are going to tell you that Ohio State got better last year, that they were better in 2022 than they were in 2021. But real Oof. talk, that's not really true. <laughs> uh, so what Ohio State was last year was two things, right? One, I, this is going to be news to some of you, an ungodly good offensive football team. Uh and number two, big if true. Yeah, big if true. Uh, and number two, really, a barometer of just how much of a mess the rest of the Big Ten was on offense last year. So let's put it this way. Did you need someone to hold Rutgers or Iowa to 10 points last year or Northwestern to seven points in a horrific biblical weather event? or Indiana to 14 points, or Michigan State to 20 points, then the Ohio State Buckeyes were your team. Tw- 20 was, was all- pretty good for Michigan State, frankly. Yeah, yeah, right. Uh, this is also a team, though, the Buckeyes, that gave up 30 or more points in four of their last six games, including a ludicrous 117 points, that's almost 40 points a game, in its last three games. Ohio State was in no way, shape, or form a complete football team last year. And as soon as the Buckeyes had to play teams who were, it got rough. So, honestly, hey, hey, John, I, f- I feel like this has been a a trend with Ohio State oh, for maybe like oh yes oh five we'll be going down now we'll be going down memory lane, my friend. Don't okay. you worry. <laughs> th- th- thank you. Uh, I'll, I'll 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 hold my questions. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, honestly, you could make the argument that even with a good offense, instead of, say, arguably the best offense in the country, it's no guarantee that Ohio State makes it to that Michigan game unscathed last year. And let's be honest, they were totally exposed against the Wolverines. But beyond all of this, you're all Northwestern fans. Just use the eye test. You all watched this Ohio State defense play against, you know, what we've addressed many times was a rough offensive game plan, to say the least, on the Northwestern side of the ball. Um, and against that, did you ever think this Buckeye defense looked particularly good? No, you did not. Brendan Sullivan was doing a lot of nifty things in that game against this D in horrific weather with very little help, right? 
So what's really strange about all of this is this. On the surface, this looked like a unit that got marginally better last year. Because remember, Ohio State was flat bad on defense in 2021. Um, and it looks like it got marginally better on the strength of this really weak slate of offensive opponents. But under the hood, there was kind of something more significantly going on. Um, Ohio State's defense was kind of flipping on its head from kind of what we've become used to, this history that Scuzz is talking about. So the profile of this standard Buckeye defense over the past decade, generally speaking, um, is, and, and again, to Scuzz's point again, this is what Scuzz is alluding to. Generally speaking, mediocre to theoretically incredibly talented football players in the back seven who generally do not have their shit together behind an offensive, an awesome defensive line. Um, but low key, this has started to not be the case in recent years. And this past year, Ohio State was kind of the opposite of that. So they run this 4-2-5, and in theory, it asks a lot out of the linebackers. And Ohio State did not get much out of their linebackers in 2021, but they very much did get a lot out of their linebackers in 2022. Steel Chambers and especially Tommy Eichenberg both took massive on-field steps for the Buckeyes. So those two guys combined for 197 tackles, 18 and a half tackles for loss. Those were massive improvements on both of their numbers from the year before. And also taking a huge leap was safety Lathan Ransom, who blossomed into a Thorpe finalist alongside fellow safety Ronnie Hickman, who, and Hickman, if you might remember, is the guy who basically carried the 2021 defense on his back and was really one of the only things Ohio State could hang their hat on defensively coming into 2022. So Hickman is gone now, but Eichenberg, Chambers, and Ransom are all back for 2023. So that gives the Buckeyes some, something very un-Buckeye-like a trio of incredibly disciplined lunch pail guys through the middle who just do their jobs well and they get to the right spots against the run and against the pass. So if you trot out a mediocre rushing or passing attack against those three guys, they're absolutely going to make you pay. But here's where we get to the craziness, this crazy flip of this historical uh, scenario we've been talking about. So at first it doesn't start as much of a flip. So the Buckeye Corners, Scuzz's memory lane point once again. Oh, you can, you can throw on them Buckeyes. Oh, the Buckeye Corners once again got shredded by good quarterbacks last year. But that's just what Buckeye Corners do, okay? Talia Tagovailoa and Sean Clifford threw for 660 combined yards against this group last year. Stetson Bennett threw for 400 by himself. J.J. McCarthy threw for three TDs against this group, okay? Denzel Burke, classic Buckeye corner, who is a big-time recruit, and he's probably going to be a high NFL draft pick, and somehow we're all going to gloss over everything that happened in between those two things, okay? Can I, can I just, like, the, 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 the Tagovailoa and Sean Clifford, let's just, let's just hit the... Sean Clifford threw for 371 yeah. <laughs> yards and, and three Sean touchdowns. Clifford part of that. You don't yeah. need to combine mm-hmm. them together. Yeah, right. Exactly. I, I Apologies for Talia Tagovailoa, Stetson Bennett, and J.J. McCarthy for casually lumping Sean Clifford in there. Woof. But yes. Woof. Yeah. The, the guy um, that threw for the most. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's brutal. Um, so, again, 
they don't produce from the corners. Um, and the top performer in the secondary against the pass last year was easily Hickman at safety, who again is now gone. So Ohio State is bringing in transfers from Syracuse and Ole Miss to try to fill gaps in the secondary. But again, it's not like there's some kind of awesome tradition to carry on here. There isn't. Um, and honestly, by Ohio State standards, based on the linebackers and Ransom, it's still a solid back seven. But here's where the huge kicker comes in. We are now several years into the Ohio State defensive line not looking all that great. And for those of you who haven't been following Big Ten football super close, this is a really, really big deal. Because Ohio State, under Ohio, you know, under Larry Johnson Sr., Ohio State's defensive line, you could argue Georgia, but if we're going a solid decade, Ohio State's D line is arguably the national standard. They almost always have dominant DLs across the line. But consider this since Chase Young, Ohio State has not put a single defensive lineman on the field who can reliably get to the quarterback. That's three consecutive seasons where no defensive lineman had more than five sacks three seasons no defensive lineman more than five sacks so ohio state has pretty reliably had one solid to great run stuffer during that span tommy togai giving way to haskell garrett the problem is for this current team that guy in that role now jt tuimololau plays at defensive end So, i.e., this is not a particularly stout D-line through the middle. Do you want to know why Michigan rushed for 252 yards at 7 yards a carry against the Buckeyes last year? This is why Michigan rushed for 252 yards in that game. So, what does this all mean for 2023? Well, just like last year, Ohio State's success is probably going to depend on everyone else in the Big Ten. Or should I say, everyone else on their schedule. Because if you remember, last year, Ohio State got the gift of starting off against a disastrous performance from Tyler Buckner of Notre Dame before he got hurt. Can, can, he was can, just... Sorry, finish your, your Notre Dame thought, and then I want to weigh in on their schedule compared to the year yeah, prior. Yeah, so, dude... Oh, we'll, 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 get, we'll, we'll get to their schedule well, as we no, no, yeah, well, and that's and, that, and that's the thing. So just briefly, right, like, to briefly touch on that, and I won't go deep on it at this point, like... Tyler Buckner ain't Notre Dame's quarterback this year, right? <laughs> like, well, so let, let's, let's talk trades because you talked about how like the, the stats show. I just want to underscore your point that mm-hmm. the Buckeyes defense was not better in 2022 than it was in 2021. So here's some trades. Big, big non-conference opponent. They traded Oregon for aforementioned to Tyler Buckner, Notre Dame team. Big 10 West crossovers. They traded a really good Minnesota team in 2021 for a horribly, like the worst Wisconsin offense that we've seen in a long time. They traded a not great Nebraska team in 2021 for a horrible Northwestern offense in 2022. And they traded a pretty good Purdue offense in 2021 for a historically awful Iowa offense in 2022. So just to put that in perspective, like whatever the stats tell you, the level of difficulty was dialed down several notches for the Buckeye defense in 2022 relative to the year before. And here, and here's the kicker on that. And it, and it kind of 
sucks to say this because none of us are Ohio State fans, but like their overall body of opponents this year look offensive, like just as much of a mess as they did last year, maybe even yep. a worse one. Um, yep. And and again, this is where we go back to the fact that this team has one at least great anti-run defensive lineman, two great linebackers, and a great anti-run safety. So that is a heck of a starting place against the dregs of this conference, who, again, Ohio State seemed to be very comfortable dealing with the dregs of the conference last year. I mean, like... They always again, are. If they played the lower half of the conference, they held you to 20 points and usually far less than 20 points, right? So this probably figures to be a middle-of-the-road Big Ten D again. But guess what? If they do play quality offenses, they're going to get shredded again, okay? But again, this is Ohio State. That's the brand, okay? Like, this (laughs) defense ain't what this team is about, okay? Whatever chances they have to play quality offenses beyond that Michigan game at the end of the year, say in the playoff, right, are going to depend, as always, on whatever is going on on Scuzz's side of the ball. So I'll just turn it over to him. Uh, yeah, so on that note, let's let's talk about the Ohio State offense. I mean, C.J. Stroud, gone. Uh, he's going to go get his, his butt kicked in Houston. Um, they're known for wide receivers. I mean, they... They put so many great wide receivers out there. Do they have yet another plug-and-play receiver troop to jump in the mix? Yeah, I mean, it's the best receiver core in the country. Um, Two years running. I had had a ton of praise for Ohio State last year going into the season because they just had talent coming out their ears. Um, They delivered as the best offense in the Big Ten. They scored 44 points per game. Um, they had the one hiccup in the, you know, Ryan field hurricane. And other than that, they were simply incredible. Um, and it was not the offense that let them down against Michigan. Uh, they did enough on offense to beat Georgia in the playoff, even though it didn't come to pass. Um, you know, th- there are question marks this year, namely at the quarterback position, but, um, we'll start with the stuff that's rock solid. The receivers are simply absurd. Um, they lost uh, Jackson Smith and Njigba. Um, it doesn't matter. Uh, Mar- Marvin Harrison Jr. is going to be a top five draft pick in the NFL next year. Um, he is seen as like a generational wide receiver talent. He's incredible. He's going to be the best receiver in college football this year. Um, Emeka Ibuka and Julian Fleming would be the number one receiving re- receivers on just about every other team in college football. Um, they have six more underclassmen with just as high pedigree as these three waiting in the wings. Um, tight end remains stacked with Cade Stover back and similar to Rich's stacked behind him. This is easily the best wide receiver core in the country. Um, there'll be a handful for anyone to deal with. Uh, the running backs. Every running back returns. Mayan Williams, uh, Trayvon Henderson, Travion Henderson, and Dallin Hayden each had over 100 carries last year and each averaged at least five yards per carry. They're all back. Now the offensive line does so broken. Yeah. It's broken. The the skill talent is bonkers. Now the offensive line, traditionally a strength for Ohio state um, loses three starters to the NFL. 
including all everything left tackle Paris Johnson, who was drafted in the first round. He's been the rock of this offensive line the last few years. Uh, the other two guys were, you know, fourth and sixth round draft picks. Still, like, in, like impressive talent loss, um, but not as not nearly as big a deal as Johnson. The guards are back, but they will have a new center and two new tackles. Right tackle is likely an experienced grad transfer. The left tackle is a, is a freshman. This is a recipe for not a great O-line to start the year. Um, now, similar to years past, like, the, like it's interesting, John, the, the observation you're having on the defensive line, because I feel like Ohio State's O-line, at least from like a pedigree standpoint, I mean, their performance has been great. But from a pedigree standpoint and some of the advanced stats, like they just haven't looked nearly as dominant in the Ryan Day era as they did did previously. Like you're just not seeing the number one, number two, you know, overall offensive line recruits going to Ohio State. I go back to when we had Doug LaMaurice on the pod last season, and he was very much Mm -hmm. like that in midseason, the Buckeye fans were very much bemoaning this exact fact. Like what's going on with the line? What's going on with the run game? Yeah. And it's, it's, it, it's just different. And it's, it's funny because you do see that when you look at Michigan, when you look at the talent that they have on, on their offensive line and who they're bringing in, it's, it's like what Ohio state used to be in the urban Meyer era. So, um, this is, this, this offensive line is probably going to have the Buckeye faithful, like tearing in their hair a little bit during the course of this year. Um, you know, they, they, they're going to keep, you know, cranking out top draft choices just because, they're getting guys with a lot of potential who are going to grow into it and, and, and become, you know, great NFL bodies, et cetera. The coaching at Ohio state's impeccable, et cetera. But um, you just can't help, but see a difference in the level of talent and the consistency compared to a Michigan. And I think with an Ohio state, like, like their guys will get there eventually, but it's going to be more of a rebuild on the O-line than, than a reload. Um, now, this, the schedule probably affords them plenty of flexibility there, but um, it's just, you know, something to keep an eye on. Um, and then the, the the big one is the quarterback. So C.J. Stroud is gone. Um, I think I'm actually a bit higher on Stroud than than uh, you guys are, um, especially right. I look at, Cle- at the way he, sh- Cle- he sh- cleared that bar, did you? Clear it. <laughs> well, I just, I just think, like, when I, when I look back at, at how much he shredded Michigan the last two years um, and how excellent those secondaries were, and yes, he's got the receiver core, et cetera. Um, y- y- yes, when you put him under pressure, he's not as good, but um, I think I think he's pretty damn talented. Um, I like It is going to be really interesting who takes his spot and how they perform. So it's, it's Kyle McCord who battled with Stroud for the starting role two years ago. And it's uh, Devin Brown um, who are vying for this. Now uh, my read on McCord in 2021 was that um, McCord and Stroud were virtual carbon copies of one another. And Stroud showed a steadier hand while McCord maybe had a little more upside, but was a little more uh, prone to mistakes. It's hard to argue that, um, the latter turned out given Stroud's career. Like I just, I can't imagine that McCord is, is an, is an athletic <laughs> upside to, to Stroud, but who knows? Maybe we'll see that. Um, I, I think it's very interesting that McCord is getting a second shot at the starting job, given that um, we all thought that Quinn Evers would be the one taking over the Buckeyes uh, by this stage. Um, but 
he's he's in the mix. And then Brown, um, ironically, is is another carbon copy. Stroud was listed last year at six three two eighteen. McCord is six three two twenty, and Brown is six three two thirteen. They're all pocket passers. They're all you know relatively athletic and mobile, but not like likely to use their legs as a primary weapon. So, like, wash, rinse, repeat, right? I mean, like the offense is going to look the same. the The general play of the quarterback is going to look the same. The question is going to be uh, consistency, and you know leadership qualities and mistakes. Can they attack and leverage those weapons and not get into trouble throwing bad balls or misplaced balls or potentially interceptable balls? Can they um, balance getting the ball out quickly and uh, and in chunk plays without taking sacks? Um, so those, those are the big questions. The reports coming out of spring practice is that neither – like. You know, of course, nobody's saying anything but but positives and platitudes about these dudes. But um, it's very clear neither one has moved above or ahead of the other. And Ryan Day remains very like it's an open competition. We're just going to keep working at it. And and you know, it, I, I I don't imagine that it's going to be like a game one announcement, but it's going to be a, a a fall camp announcement. So we'll, we'll we'll we won't really know until very close to the season starting. But either way you're going to have a lot of inexperience at QB. You're going to have a, at least like not rock solid offensive line to start the year. I think they're going to be able to figure that out before the schedule really gets hairy. If you or a loved one is seriously injured by someone else's negligence, hire Kent Sinson of the Sinson Law Group. After over a decade prosecuting murder cases in Chicago, Sinson opened his own firm focused on wrongful death and personal injury cases. He specializes in car, truck, motorcycle, boat, and other transportation accidents, as well as construction accidents, medical negligence, slip and falls, product liability, and more. Millions recovered for clients. No fee unless he wins. The Sinson Law Group. Compassion, empathy, and vigorous advocacy. Go to SinsonLawGroup.com or call 312-332-2107 for a free consultation. And go Cats! Uh, speaking of that schedule, uh, they open up the year on the road, which you rarely see Ohio State you know, starting on the road. But uh, they start up uh, at Indiana. Um, then they're home for Youngstown State in Western Kentucky before uh, heading up the road to South Bend uh, to take on Notre Dame under the lights uh, on September 23rd. Sam Hartman, very different quarterback uh, hurdle to clear than Tyler Buckner in his first college start. Yeah, I, I, would, I would say so. Circle that game is going to be very interesting. And I don't say that as a, you know, Notre Dame adjacent I also, individual. I have big um, thoughts here. Re- just read the rest of the schedule first, though, Sammy. All right. Uh, so they have a bye week there. Uh, then they're home against Maryland at Purdue, home against Penn State, at Wisconsin, at Rutgers, home for Michigan State and Minnesota before finishing up the season at the Big House against Michigan. Well, so... The, what do you got, John? I think that uh, Scuzz has made it pretty clear, right, that Ohio State's got the best receivers in the country and that their running back core, right, is nothing to shake a stick at. Like, they might have top five running backs in the country, too. So yep. you could easily argue these are the it's the best skill position group in the entire country, right? And it could be the best skill position in the country, group in the country by a fair margin. And Notre Dame, Maryland, and Michigan could give a shit. 
they're going to look at this team and they're going to be like, we have Sam Hartman, Talia Tagovailoa, and J.J. McCarthy. You can't get to the quarterback and you can't cover. And they're going to be like, I, like, Maryland was super comfortable playing this kind of game last year. And that's with, and again, it's like, Ohio State's got a bunch of games on their schedule where if they turn the ball over a couple of times, they're in big trouble. Um, and it's like, again, you only, like, if the other team is able to score a touchdown when they have the ball, it doesn't matter how good. It's just a net, it net cancels itself out. It doesn't matter that you have the best wide receivers in the country if the other team can just match you. And that's a crazy thing. It's like, right, like Sam Hartman and Talia Tagovailoa are going to be going up against an Ohio State quarterback who started, what, three games, four games, right? Um, so I don't know. I mean, again, like that, it's lucky for them they've got that bye. But that's September 23rd through October 7th stretch. Like, that's a hard stretch for this team, I feel like. So so the the other game I'm going to throw in to to what you've been talking about there John is um at Wisconsin the week after I Penn was ju- I was just about to say that I was just about to go there. So you know Wisconsin's going to be a very interesting animal this year given the the change in leadership, the change in coaching, the change in presumably scheme and stuff and and, and and whatnot. but like for the first time in a long time they have a very legitimate talent at quarterback in Tanner Mordecai, who has transferred over from SMU. Um, you know, wh- whether he can, he can play at the big 10 level, you know, w- remains to be seen, but on paper, he looks like the best quarterback Wisconsin's had in a long time. And um, so w- like when you, when you, when you add that to the Hartman piece at Notre Dame, w- what, you know, JJ and Talia, um, you've got, probably a, a tougher slate of quarterbacks this year than last year, I would argue um, for Ohio state overall. And if there is any, you know, drop off in that defense, um, even beyond what, what we saw last season, um, yikes. Another thing, another thing to keep in mind with that Wisconsin game, Halloween weekend in Madison. I don't know that that matters as much for the game no? itself, but it's, it's always insane there. Okay. And Luke Fickle looking for a potential like oh, hallmark sure. win. Oh God, right? against that his would, alma mater too. Right, defining like there. I mean, it's just there's a lot going on there. But this is the thing about the Buckeyes, right? They're gonna go to Indiana and they're gonna win like sixty to seven in front of fifty thousand Buckeye fans. And Indiana's and gonna take every, all their campus pictures. They'll be beautiful. Yeah, and red. yeah, right, you're right. <laughs> and, and win, like, win. Every, win, win for everybody. And everyone's going to start frothing at the mouth about how yep. good whoever the quarterback yep. is for this team. McCord like, throws for six touchdowns. Yep. Yeah, right. Exactly. And it's like, look, Notre Dame probably is going to have a good defense and an awesome quarterback, yep. right? I mean, it's just like they're and, – and Maryland probably is not going to have a good defense and an awesome quarterback. And it's like both of these guys are going to be like, this is why – I'm in the Big Ten to beat this team in this game, and it's not hard for me to do my piece of it because I'm not going to get pressured, and there are going to be open receivers to throw the ball to. And and again, it's like, and Ohio State's defense is their linebackers are very good. These are not all world linebackers. This is not like what Iowa put on the field last year. They're asked to do a lot in the four-two-five, and they do. And they're very solid linebackers. But it's not like 
this is Micah Parsons who's going to make a difference if, like, Talia's carving this team up. Like, they don't have that piece, okay? It's just not an elite defensive football team overall. So, again, it's like, if they're, if this breaks the way that it could, like, they're going to have some trouble. I mean, again, they're going to be elite at track meet football, but God help them if they somehow don't get the quarterback situation squared away. If that happens, like, this team is going to have a rough middle. I think quarterback will be fine. I just, it's going to be a step back from, from last year. Like they will not be able to put up 44 points a game because of, of the change. I don't, I don't think that they're going to be bad at quarterback or anything of that stretch. I mean, like, I, I just don't think they're going to be dynamic and amazing. Um, and I, I don't think either one of these guys are going to aspire to the level of strat that Stroud did his first year as a starter. Yeah. And I mean, and again, like credit to the Buckeyes, right? Like, I expect that they're going to play probably between Notre Dame, Penn State, Wisconsin, and Michigan. Like, that's four potentially awesome defenses. But, like, they, like, Ohio State brings everything to the table. Like, you just can't have the expectation that your defense is the one that's going to handle this offense. Like, they're just stacked. But, I mean, again, who cares? Like, Maryland fans are just going to be, I mean, again, it's it's at Columbus. But a team like Maryland's going to be like, who cares? We're just going to ride the lightning and try to win this 50 to 45. And we have a hundred percent confidence that our guy yep. can do that. Yeah. So it's like, so, they're just- well, here, so here, here's, here's some, like, what's interesting. Like I, I, Michigan has obviously approached Ohio state the exact same way the last two years and has won and caused all sorts of havoc. Um, I think fickle and Wisconsin for all the reasons we talked about, just the, like, like, Ohio state and what that means to fix Like he's going to approach that game in a similar, like no lose kind of way. I don't know that market Marcus Freeman is and, and Notre Dame are ready, willing, like at, at that state of maturity as a program to, to say, you know what, we're not going to, we're not going to bring the typical, they're going to try to win that game the way that Notre Dame tries to win all their games. They're not going to come in saying, all right, Hartman, you're going to, you're going to bomb the Buckeyes for 50 points today. That's how we're going to win. And I think that might, you know, we'll, we'll see, we'll, we'll see what happens, but I, I, I don't expect them to come into the same with the same mentality as a Maryland, as a Michigan, as a Wisconsin might. And that's where, to me, that's where, like, if I'm looking at Ohio state's ceiling, it's, it's probably 11 and one just because I think Michigan has the measure of them right now in a number of different ways. But if I'm looking at a floor, like like eight and four would require something pretty seismic to happen, in my opinion, for them to lose all four of those matchups and not get a single one. Because I, I I like their chances three of beating of, Notre Dame or Maryland. Three of those four, though. I mean, you got Notre Dame, Wisconsin, Michigan, all on the road. I would, they, you, you, you yeah. got to think they're going to drop one, at least one of those, right? I would, I would say like there, if there was a nuclear scenario, the nuclear scenario would be that somehow they have a big drop off at quarterback and have a guy who then they just can't get it sorted out, because like as we've established, this team has unbelievable running backs, but this team had problems running the football at times last season, and like Penn State, Wisconsin, like you know, Notre Dame, Michigan, obviously, like those are teams that could be really you know. Those are teams that, if you were going to be one-dimensional, like they could stop you. Um, 
That's so. that's a good point. They, I mean, so on one hand, like they struggled to run the ball at, at Penn State to a certain degree, and against Maryland to a certain degree. Now they won both those games by, you know, close to twenty points. Um, against, I mean, they steamrolled Wisconsin. They averaged six yards per carry against the the Badgers last year. Um, they couldn't run the ball at all against Iowa, and it did not matter. <laughs> But that's because yeah, I was right. offense, <laughs> right? Um, they 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 averaged five a carry against Notre Dame. So I, I, there. I, I mean, no, I'm not as credit. worried about that. But it's a really good point that that if 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 because you know C.J. Stroud covered up a lot of of running back problems last year because if they were struggling to run, they were like, all right, let's figure it out through this through this other mess. And he was you know very much a problem solver in that way. Um, but that will not be afforded. They will not like wh- whoever the quarterback is and however, however well they perform, they're not going to have that field general problem solving capability that Stroud did as a, as a two year starter and Heisman candidate. Yeah. I mean, it's just like when you step back and say it, right? Like they play four ranked teams, three top 15 teams. And we're expecting that they're just going to like r- win all those games other than Michigan, just because the running backs and wide receivers are that good. Like, Maybe. Well, I didn't say I'm expecting. No, to. no, no, I no, I'm not, ceiling, no, right? no, I'm not disagreeing. I'm not disagreeing with you. I'm just saying like, maybe that's exactly what happens, but it's like, yeah. that's the, that's basically what you're saying one way or the another, right? Not you, the Royal you, right? Yeah, like that's yeah, what, yeah, yeah. that's what yeah. people are saying. Right. But did we, I, were we, end- um, we talked about this on our Michigan pod as well, but like, were we low on Ohio state relative to other, um, podcasters in the, in the podcast poll? I can't remember. I'm not sure. Yeah. I mean, probably. I, I yeah. would assume we were. I I mean, again, I, I would say if they come out of Notre Dame, Maryland, Purdue, Penn State, Wisconsin, that stretch, if they win all five of those games, um, then then I'm going to comfortably say 11. But as yeah. I read that stretch, man, I don't know. I, I think, God, 10 and 2 maybe. I, I would want to see it from this team, and I feel like they, you know, they have the tendency to skate by in these track meet style games where there's a little bit of laundry, you know, laundry envy going on. And I this year, I don't know. I look at those quarterbacks, and uh, man, they got to get past Hartman and Talia, um, it, with not a lot they can bring at those guys. So I'm gonna say ten and two. I think someone other than the Wolverines nips them. You, you know what I've I've been I've I'm going to go 10 and two as well, because, um, I wasn't thinking about Penn state and, and Penn state, Ohio state is always a, an affair. Um, and even though they have turned over Columbus though. Yeah. But even then it's like, it always ends up being a night game. It always ends up being like a one score game and like, yeah, that's true. You know what I mean? Um, it, 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 it's like Michigan, Michigan state. Um, just goofy stuff happens in, in that, in that matchup. So when, like when it's, when you're not talking about Notre Dame, Maryland, Penn state and Wisconsin, and those are, there's only one, like the, the, those are four out of five opponents that they play in a row. Um, I don't see how they escape that unscathed. So to me, 10 and two is, is the, is the hot, is the high point for them. Um, I'll still say eight and four as, as a, as a low. At eight, if they did go eight and four, is Ryan Day looking over his shoulder? Ryan Day's gone immediately if they go eight yeah. and four. This yeah. this fan base treats him poorly yeah. when they go like twelve and two. So yeah. like, yeah, it's uh, it's wild because I like 
he's so much he's so much more appealing than Meyer in so many ways. But um, I guess when you've had it that good, it's so like, far that he's not just an abject asshole. Yeah. But like, I yeah. guess when you've had it that good, you don't care. Um, and all that matters are the wins. But um, I like, I think if that happens, he, like he probably knows, he probably sees the writing on the wall. I, he's, he's, if I'm him, I'm courting NFL opportunities. Cause you know, they oh, for want sure. him for sure. Yeah. Like he, NFL would gobble him up in a heartbeat. It's going to be wild. Like September 23rd through Halloween, this team is going to be, I, I expect the Buckeyes to be set playing incredibly interesting football games that we are all watching with a lot of interest. Uh, well, let's go ahead and leave uh, Ohio State there for now. Obviously, we'll uh, revisit as the season goes along. But uh, on that note, we'll go ahead and leave it there. Uh, head to our website, westlotpirates.com, where you can leave comments and questions. Find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Westlot Pirates, and email the show, westlotpirates at gmail.com. Tune in next time as we give our visceral and statistical views on Northwestern athletics. And look for us in the Westlot of Ryan Field playing the red pirate flag because we give no quarter, especially to fourth. For John Lacombe and Eric Skazbo, I'm Sam Walter. Thanks so much for listening. We'll see you next time. Mm-hmm.